This is The Extra Mile. Welcome back to the Extra Mile. I'm Caleb Spear along with G5. The G5. <laughs> and G5, what was the big news of this past week? Uh, Joe Biden was sworn in as the 46th president of the United States on the 20th. A lot of us watched this and followed this, and mm-hmm. it's kind of what's going on in our minds. Officially official. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah. That's what the news says. Yeah, many people are happy. Many people are scared. Mm-hmm. Um, just know if it, if it happened, it was God's will. Um, he's sovereign. But the idea is that we want to get into this podcast is not about an earthly nation or kingdom. Uh, God is advancing one kingdom, and it is the kingdom of heaven. Are That's we right. actively participating in kingdom advancement? And there's a lot of things that are important in our life, a lot of things that we view as important. But as God-fearing human beings, what should be our primary focus? Mm-hmm. What, what should be our primary focus? What is our purpose as disciples? That's to grow his kingdom. That's what we're going to be looking at um, this in this podcast, this episode. Yeah. Let's have a little self-reflection, some self-concept. How do we view ourselves? Um, you'll notice in the Bible, Jesus never, not once, ever calls his disciples Christians. It's only three times in the Bible, actually, that word Christian shows up. It starts as like a derogatory yeah. term at the church of Antioch. Yeah, it's like, you Christian. Like, they're known as disciples. A disciple, George has alluded to, they're a learner. They're That's an right. imitator of a teacher. And we see Jesus, uh, we ought to be imitating him. What did he do? Matthew 4, George is going to read that. Great passage, Matthew four eighteen through 20. So while walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. I love this passage because it shows just how relatable Jesus is to these individuals. What is their, what is their um, occupation? Fishermen. And he uses um, the terminology and the language of that day to describe their purpose purpose of what he wants them to be to do. Jesus calls people to proclaim right. his kingdom and he did it in a relatable way. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this idea of disciple in principle Luke 6:40 in the context about judging others, but in principle Jesus says, "Look, a disciple's not above his teacher, but everyone when they're fully trained will be like their teacher." So training is a process. Yes, it doesn't just you don't just become you know an expert yeah. <laughs> it's not a microwave event. No, yeah. no, no. Not I mean, heating up a hot pocket or something. Like, that's this right. This takes time. Even with you know boot camp and the soldiers, it takes a process of learning different things. We've got to train ourselves. Yeah, and in imitating Jesus, okay. why Jesus come to Earth? And we're like, well, he went to the cross, right? He said so himself in Luke nineteen. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Ultimately, at the cross, but in his personal life, it was a lot of relationships. Come, follow me. He was training people. Uh, Jesus and Math and Mark, excuse me, Mark sixteen gave this commandment. I know fifteen through sixteen. Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. It leads right to Acts two. You got these disciples that have been trained up. They got their purpose, their mission to be fishers of men. And now they're going to do that. That's exactly what we see there. The church right. starts there in um, Jerusalem. Yep. yep. And so Jesus, disciples, all right, go make more. But what do the new believers, what do the new disciples do? 
because this studio's not in Jerusalem. <laughs> we're, not, we're, we're not in Jerusalem. We're, ba- we're basically on the other side of the world in West Texas. Yeah. We're far away. 2,000 uh, years later. <laughs> <laughs> a long time. Remember in Acts 7, Stephen, he shares like the history of the people of Israel and how it's always foreshadowed this Messiah and how it's fulfilled in Jesus. He was stoned to death for that. Saul was right there holding on to the jackets while people did that. Yeah. So it starts a great persecution in Jerusalem. And in Acts 8, the church scatters from this persecution. But notice, notice this piece of history here. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, Acts 8, 4. All of them. Yeah, not just the apostles, not just (laughs) the evangelists or whoever they had. It's everyone. Uh, An important question, um, what even is the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> Good question. How would you summarize that up? It's what Jesus did. Um, there you go. It's so, what Jesus did. Not what we do. It's what Jesus did. Very succinct. It's exactly yeah. it. The good news, what Jesus did, offered to all sinners. Um, I, I think a good example is when people, uh, an off, here's a common one. People might say at your work or your kid's a little leaguer or whatever you're involved in, whenever things get back to normal too, um, people will be like, hey, you want to go get a drink No, I yeah. don't. <laughs> <laughs> so many times that's the, that's the answer. I don't do that. I don't get drunk. And like, great, Christians aren't supposed to get drunk. You're correct, Amundo. That's very right. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, congrats. If, if that's all you say, you're just a moralist. Right. Like. You're just uh, lifting yourself up in, in, in that case. You're not giving uh, God an opportunity glory. Yeah, <laughs> to say, why? Oh, why is that the case? So if you have something like that where someone says, let's go out and drink, and you know something that we're not supposed to do, obviously, that's a good opportunity to share the gospel. Right. I belong to Jesus. And if you have that Jesus, you know, that Christ-like mindset, you're going to look for those kinds of opportunities and seize them to share the best news ever. Right, because remember, how are you viewing yourself? An imitator of Jesus is going to be looking for opportunity. Are we fishers of men? Are we seeking the lost? Do we even view the lost as lost? That's right. There are people that need the gospel. Yeah, is it just oh, there's my boss. She's so annoying. Or there's <laughs> my crazy uncle or my neighbor who plays music way too late at night, and like all those things might be true. Um, are people just objects in our way that we're annoyed with? Because mm. it's a really good point, actually. Last I checked, every single person was made in the image of God. Mm-hmm. So and already you're like, oh, this sounds pretty heavy. It is. Like, mm-hmm. th- this this lifestyle is, Jesus said, pick up your cross. Yeah, it, and it's a life dedicated. It goes back to discipleship as well. Yeah. Uh, I love the Ephesians four eleven through 12 passage mm. as well. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry to build up the body of Christ. To mm. equip is to actually you know train. Right. So every, every Christian is to be equipped for the work and the ministry here, yeah. for service. Exactly. Every single Christian's a minister. Mm-hmm. We're full-time ministers of the Word, but every Christian's a minister. Are we serving people with the gospel of Jesus? Are we doing that? And, and sometimes we get scared, and we're upset because people don't listen, or they listen and they like like it, and then they fade away. Sometimes we get real converts. It can be discouraging, but 
that's not your job is to share the message. And this is alluded to in Matthew 13. The parable of the sower here. Yeah. Matthew 13, three through nine. It says, listen, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on the rocky ground and where, uh, and where they did not have much soil. They sprung up quickly because the soil was not deep, but when the sun came up, they were scorched. And because they did not have sufficient root, they withered. Other seeds fell on the thorns, and they grew up and choked them. But other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundred times as much, some sixty and some thirty. The one who has ears had better listen. Hmm. Uh, growth is, is gradual. It is. Sometimes we want... We want to see growth just go leaps and bounds. We want to just see, you know, everything just take off like wildfire. But sometimes a heart is really hardened, and it takes time. A plant doesn't grow overnight into this full-grown tree producing great fruit. It takes time, and right. it's it's going to be a gradual growth that we see here. So we can't be discouraged when we're, you know, when we see plants get choked by thorns right. and, and scorched by the sun. And make no mistake, we're all called to be these sowers. That's right. And this isn't just random stuff, as we've already mentioned, of, I don't drink. I go to church. Cool. Like, no one cares if there's not a relationship <laughs> with there. Uh, that's just the truth. This is specifically sowing the gospel, not just random tidbits of moralism. This is telling people the good news of Jesus. Right. And we see this historically played out in Acts, and it's specifically a good story that's recorded is Acts I really 17. like this passage because it, it <laughs> yeah. shows just practicality how Paul does this. Yeah. He uses a lot of Jesus, too, and not just the message, but and also how he acts as well. Very relatable guy. Uh, Acts 17, verses 16 through 21 here, Paul's waiting for disciples at Athens. His spirit's provoked. He saw the city had lots of idols, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and devout persons in the marketplace known as the Agora every day. He reasoned with these people who happened to be there. So it sounds like he's listening to people as well. Mm-hmm. He is yeah. reasoning so, there. Yeah, it's a conversation. But verse 18, some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with Paul. Now, those guys are important because they were reminding us of here in the West today. Uh, the Epicureans, they argued the world is purely material. Mm-hmm. So no divine God, God's. Nothing like that. You don't have to worry about dying and facing the wrath of some, you know, spaghetti monster in the sky, as you hear atheists <laughs> say today. They're like, you don't, you don't just live your best life now. Joel Steen would love these guys. Um, <laughs> they're like, let's just, let's just live here right now. I mean, that sounds it, it like it sounds what we a hear lot today. like today. It does. It sounds like a, a lot of Americans today just trying to find this this happiness. Yeah, right now. And then yeah. you got uh, the Stoics. Um, they saw the physical universe as empowered by a reasoning force known as logos, which connects divine with the material, and they kind of turned this into natural laws and whatnot. And they were pantheists, pretty much. They believed mm-hmm. in, in multiple gods. Um, so these are the guys, and with Jews, we know their background. I mean, Paul's dealing with a lot of different backgrounds There's here. a lot of different schools of thought here. Yeah. And that's what makes this story really unique, is because it's also relatable. Yeah, they say, well, hey, what's this babbler wish to say? And they're saying, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. 
uh, because he's preaching Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19, Acts 17, and they took Paul and brought him to the Areopagus. What's mm. that mean? That, that it means the hills of Ares here. Ares was, uh, Ares was the Greek god of, of war and mm. that mythology. Uh, he also called you know Mars in Latin. Right. Um, this was also the name or the location also of like the civil and religious council that met here. It's an important place. They're very important. It's very important. It's quite the platform. <laughs> it, it's like the internet. I, I mean, okay. <laughs> it's like the internet of this day right here. We have all these different schools of thought, all these different people, and they're wanting to know, hey, what's this guy? Yeah, what is this? Because in verse 20, about? exactly, yeah. verse 21, the Athenians and yeah. the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling <laughs> or hearing something new. That sounds familiar. That's right. I mean, what do we Google? We do, we, we Google to find new things. We constantly trying to find the new you know argument for our perspective the new thing over here the new thing that's uh, just popular to have or to be and these people here are always looking for something new there and paul's now has this platform this ability to to speak to these different perspectives and and think there are so many things paul could have said yeah he could have been (laughs) right about so many. What does he post? What does he post right here? What is his opportunity? <laughs> he could have trashed on Rome and Caesar, how dumb that the Epicureans were, of mm. like, oh, you don't think there's a God? And like, he could have gone uh, many different routes. And uh, instead, Paul uses their uh, customs, their background, right. their beliefs. He uses the circumstances around him to best share the gospel. As Christians, we shouldn't be afraid to learn and understand different perspectives. Right. That's how we are that's how we become more efficient at sharing the gospel mm-hmm. and being relatable to them so that we can relay our message to them. Right. And actually mean something to them. Ex- Otherwise yes. it's that's it's useless. Yeah. If if they're like you have no interest in my culture or anything, like why am I gonna listen that's if right. you're just ignorant of me? And it comes across like you just don't care or don't like them. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, verses 22 through 31 of Acts 17. So Paul's standing in this platform in the Areopagus, and he says, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you're very religious. For as I passed along, I observed the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with this inscription, To the unknown God. What therefore you worship is unknown, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he's Lord of heaven and earth, doesn't live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands, as though he needed anything. And he goes on to say, God has made every kind of race and person and nation and brings them and and puts them where he wants. Paul, down in verse 28, quotes one of the Greeks' own poets, Mm. for we indeed uh, are his offspring, alluding to the idea that we're from a higher being. He quotes their own people. That's very unique, very Jesus-esque. Yeah, very unique. And he says, but if we're God's offspring, we ought to think that divine being is, is not made in the image of like stone or wood or something like that. He's way too powerful for that. He says, God's overlooked the time of ignorance, but now he commands everyone everywhere to repent. He's fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man, Jesus, whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all things by raising him from the dead. Oh. He interweaves so many things there. I mean, right there, he starts with establishing there is a God. Mm-hmm. There is a creator of the universe. Um, and especially to those that are more like the atheists today, 
they don't think that. So there is a God. And then also those pantheists that believe in several gods, there's only one God. Right. There's no, uh, your truth is your truth, my truth is my truth. Mm. But at the same time, he's not like, what a bunch of morons, <laughs> not even worth my time. Like he, it, he tries to relate to them because mm-hmm. he knows he's not here just to, you know, win the battle and knock them over the head and beat no. all these philosophers. He, these are souls. Right, and he sees them as souls. Uh, I love how he gets in the creation. He gets a little sciency here as well. You know, uh, life comes life comes from life. Right you know, when you look at it, that's the law of uh, biogenesis. Yeah. Life comes from life. Because we have those group, the Epicureans, modern day atheists. Mm-hmm. That this just material. Really, everything came from nothing. That's, that's a that's a hard pill to swallow. That's a hard pill to swallow. Um, so, so we have to be willing to understand people's points of view mm-hmm. um, to better share, to it, better communicate. Yeah, it, it's absolutely necessary. And we, we can't, you know, our faith is very intellectual, and it should be able to reason with other schools of thought as well. Right. We, don't, we should be afraid of it and, and, and dumb it down some. Right. We should be able to actually use it um, and use it as, as God intended. This was amazing about the gospel. Yeah. It can stump philosophers, and yet it's said that your faith is to be like a child. It's so profoundly simple, it's complex in all its ways. Absolutely. And you have these different schools of thought, too. I mean, you have—they're searching for one thing. They're searching for happiness. How can you be happy? I mean, they're both doing it different ways. Right. One morally and one just, you know, whatever they're doing. But at the same time, what makes—and they're wanting to learn what's different about Christianity— and what makes it very unique. And what's different about that is more than just happiness. It's being fulfilled. Right. And being fulfilled in something. It's not just happiness and self-control and so much. It's being fulfilled. And that's because we have a Savior, Jesus, who gives us forgiveness so that we're not relying on our own actions and, right. and what we do and trying to find happiness in what we do. We're fulfilled already with Jesus. Right. Yeah. And as you read George back in Matthew 13, the parable of the sower. That still happens here in Acts 17. Mm-hmm. Here are some options we see even today in 2021. So Acts 17, verses 32 through 34. So Paul shares this news. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked. Option number one. People today might say, that's fairy tale stuff. That's silly. Yeah. That's sad, but that's an option. Uh, option two. Others said, We'll hear you again about this. So today, people are like, let's keep talking about this. Or maybe today, might someone might say, all right, let's sit down and have a Bible study about this. Um, and then option number three, Paul leaves from their midst in verse 34. Some joined him and believed. Among them, some big names here, uh, Dionysius, the Areopagite. This guy, um, that means if he's an Areopagite, he's a council member of the Areopagus. Pretty important person, it yeah. seems like, yeah. And it seems like his his wife was Damaris. Um, so, from the lowest of people to those who are you know council members, yeah. philosophers, gospel's open to all. And some people in all those categories reject it. Some people say we'll talk more about it, and some people are like, I'm in. You know, I, I I am a believer. That's right. And there it all is, right there. And that leads right to our call of action. We really want to encourage you guys with a call to action right. um, to actually be. We, a lot of times we view evangelism as just an accident. Oh, they accidentally got converted and they accidentally got baptized. Yeah, it's like they it's come to like, you and it's like, oh, it's like I happened. It just to run happened. Into them. Yeah, yeah. They were interested and they found me. And like that's cool. Take advantage of the situation. That happens sometimes. Um, that's and, not the normative pattern in the Bible. Yeah, we want we want to encourage you guys to be you know intentional 
with evangelism. Really yeah. make it an intention in your daily walk. I mean, Psalm 67 gives this idea of actually making God known. Because God has blessed us in so many ways in our in our day to day life, and you have the Jesus, you have you have Jesus, the apostles, the disciples. They didn't just, for example, just invite people, you know, to church. They right. didn't. You won't find you know a passage really like that. Um, you might find uh, yeah. First Corinthians yeah, fourteen mentions the idea of visitors being right. there at worship, and they're convicted by the word. Um, but like you said, there's not a single verse where an apostle or disciple or Jesus is like, oh, just come to church with me. Right. Uh, the biblical model is everyday life, personal relationships. That's it, personal relationships and building those personal relationships. And a lot of times that's allowing time, even for interruptions. Mm-hmm. You, you, Jesus lived on interruptions. <laughs> I mean, every interruption for him was an opportunity right. to do something yeah, and Jesus to deliver be, that message. He's walking somewhere, and someone comes in with a question or someone to heal, and he took the time because mm-hmm. those people are made in the image of God. They they matter. That's right. And again, like we said, if we just view people as you know an hindrance and they're annoying and in the way, that's not how Jesus that's views how. people, man. He died for them too. So the, the option um, or the viewpoint has to be Christ-minded. That's right. Lost souls. And as you just mentioned there, George, um, there's a couple of problems when we tell people when only, when we only say come to church. If they're interested, great, invite them to church. If they want to yeah, come sure. check it out, fine. But when our first thing is to want to come to church with me, A, you're no longer carrying the responsibility to have a personal relationship. You're basically saying, let the preacher tell you what's going on. Right. You should be sharing the gospel. Two, when you say, just come to church, it sounds like you're inviting someone to a club. <laughs> this is not a club. This is not just some other place or building where we hang out and have a good time. No, we no. are inviting people to literally an eternal kingdom. Mm-hmm. That is not a club. And that requires real relationships. It's the kingdom of God. And you're absolutely right. And it sounds hard. It sounds costly, like you're saying. But discipleship is a cost. Right. Um, it's, it's a life. Yeah, well, how can you not read passages like Luke 14, um, yeah. where he says, there's going to be a cost. People will reject you. You lose family members. Pick up your cross and follow me. Why, why would we be so surprised that there's a cost in being a Christian? But Maybe it's, it's a, because we're not used to that being a cost, because we're very blessed in this country. And thank God for those blessings. Stand up for those blessings. Use um, those blessings. But yeah, use those blessings. Yeah. yeah. We'd better use those blessings. Here at Milwaukee Avenue, we want to encourage you guys, too, if you're listening at uh, different churches, is just to... We want to be looking this year especially at new opportunities to reach the lost. And we want to encourage you guys with those throughout the next... Uh, that the future lesson, I mean, future podcast episodes. Yeah, the church equips every single believer for the work of ministry. Yeah. So we need to do this intentionally. And I know right now um, people aren't safe because of COVID, you're high risk, or you legally can't go somewhere. Things sure, are locked sure. down where you are here in West Texas, uh, for better or for worse. Um, we're very open and free, and that gives us certain opportunities. But even if you're locked down uh, somewhere, I know you're spending a lot of time online. There's a good opportunity to share the message with people online and Zoom and texting and phone calls. And believe it or not, Lord willing, one day, probably this year, things will get about back to normal. Hopefully. We better not go back to normal in the sense of just sitting in the church building and doing nothing else. That's right. Really making intentional decisions and being intentional with with how we spread the word. Right. Because the goal is not to just win an argument. Right. Yeah. Yeah. We don't. The gospel isn't a sword to use against people. Mm -hmm. It's. It's to help save people from their sins. Right. 
Yeah. It's all about Jesus. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians uh, 9, 22, and 23, I have become all things to all people that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Amen. Yep. Well, that's going to be wrap, everyone. Hope you have a good week and go some.